it's a fool's mission. You know, it, certainly, it just just in terms of of, of brain waves, there was there was no keeping up with them. You know, it, it, you just had to like uh, uh, be there and uh, and absorb it. Um, I, I you know just just being in a room with him was was a, a pretty uh, 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 notable experience, especially for me at the time because I was it was my first professional gig. And all I dreamed about uh, for the previous 15 years, practically, was was playing with Frank Zappa. And that, and all of a sudden, that's the beginning of my career. It's it's like I, I was so flabbergasted by the fact that it was happening at all that, that it, 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 uh, it, you know, I, I was I wouldn't say I was like unsteady or anything, but I was definitely like reeling from the impact of the whole thing. Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes, and I'm very honored to have them, have Mr. Mike Keneally here with me. Uh, he's got an album coming out here in uh, February, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, February 24 is the is the release date. Well, thank you for having me, Kyle. It's a, oh. a pleasure to be here. Uh, man, I can't thank you enough. I, well, we were talking just before we started. You played with uh, my hero, Frank Zappa. I actually have a picture of of Zappa on the toilet in my bathroom. So <laughs> that's, that's appropriate. <laughs> my welcome mat is his uh, mustache. So what can I say? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you I mean you played with a lot of great musicians, and and uh, you've got a, a, quite a few on your lineup on your album, and. Uh, you're a multi instrumentalist, though, correct? Yeah, I I, I started on uh, on keyboard when I was seven, and then uh, four years later started to play guitar, and then you know that that naturally led to playing bass at some point. And uh, I I'm I'm still after after all this time, kind of a beginner drummer, but I'll 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 occasionally play drums when when it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> And did you do all the vocals on your album? I did on this album. It's 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 me doing all the all the singing. Sometimes I'll have uh, other people sing with me on my records, uh, but this time I, I a lot of this was recorded uh, at home during lockdown. So I I I, uh, I mean I could have sent out tracks to have other people sing on it, but I was I was pretty much just sending out tracks to drummers. Um, just because it was is easier for me to just sit here and do all the singing myself. Now, with the the diversity of the music on your album, did you have uh, the other uh, musicians in mind when you wrote the music, or you just had this laid out beforehand? Generally, I'll 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 write a song, and then once I I see where it's headed, I'll start to think about who I'm, I might be the the right one to to play drums on that, and. Uh, you know, and I was just fortunate that I had access to, to so many great guys. I mean, a couple of the tracks, several of the tracks on the album were already 
recorded prior to lockdown. So I, I have a couple of songs on there where, where Nick DiVirgilio was playing drums that we actually recorded at, at Sweetwater back in, in 2016, I think. Um, but a lot of the stuff that I was doing at home, I, I wanted to just farm out to a variety of, of players. I wanted to have a, a real diversity of, of drumming approach on the record. So I've got um, Eric Slick, who was in uh, Adrian Ballou's band and also in Dr. Dog. He plays uh, drums on a track. And Tobias Ralph, who was also in Adrian's band for a while, plays on one. And a guy named Malcolm Mortimer, who was uh, the drummer in, in Gentle Giant back in the in like around 1972, 73. He played drums on an album called Three Friends, which was a, a huge, a really huge record for me when I was growing up. So it was a real honor to to have him on there. And uh, another guy named Ted Morton, who plays in a band called Pet Shark that I uh, I produced a few years ago. So I was I was you know trying to spread spread things around and and get different approaches to groove on there what inspires you to write and what keeps you you fresh because i can imagine you know i don't want to say we're old but we're kind of getting up there uh you play for all these years and you know writing all this music what keeps you from getting in that rut i just i get real i mean i'm like i'm i'm i I try to to write with, with with some frequency because there's just little bits of music that that show up in my head pretty, pretty frequently. And, and uh, you got to get them out, right. You don't want these things just backing up in your head. So I'll, uh, I'll sit down either at the keyboard or with a guitar in my hand and just, and just see what comes out. And then, and then almost anything, almost any germ of a musical idea. If you, if you, uh, you know, treat it with patience and, and respect can lead to something really, really good because there's so many ways that that music can work. Uh, and it's often it can be a really simple uh, core of an idea that, that you tease out into something that can be quite elaborate and intricate and really something uh, if you just spend time with it and you know, figure out how to treat it and what to surround it with and all that. So, but, but with me, I I get kind of restless easily and I don't really, I don't like it when I'm writing a song that reminds me too much of something that I've already written. So what, what the thing that kind of keeps me driven is, is the desire to continue creating stuff that I haven't quite heard out of me before. I mean, I definitely have a style, so I, I have I, an approach to music that is kind of a, a thumbprint on the thing that I can't avoid, but I still keep trying to come up with, different approaches or settings or something grooves uh chord progressions just stuff that doesn't sound like new versions of things that i've done before and that's kind of what keeps me going it's the same thing when i'm when i'm soloing if i'm improvising on stage for instance i'm i'm always trying to play stuff that i've never heard before uh not even just never played before but actually never heard before i'm I'm always searching for a uh combinations of notes or ideas that that I, I i feel are somewhat different from anything i've played before that's that's really a, a big motivator for me you know surprisingly um i've seen on youtube there's some uh kids of this younger generation that are are playing a lot of the music that you know i especially love growing up i'm a big fan of you know 60s 70s 80s music and now i'm seeing you know, there, there's quite a few very talented 
guitar players, drummers out there that are into what we're doing. And um, I guess what would keep you from, what keeps you making your music? And do you feel, do you feel that temptation to maybe, I guess, would you say sell out? And are you optimistic that this next generation is going to enjoy your kind of music? Oh, well, um, well, a temptation to sell out is not, is not really a thing, you know, but you know, my music is, is peculiar enough that it's not really an option. You know, it's, I mean, occasionally I'll write something that's a bit more accessible, but it's, it's not like there are, people you know, knocking my door down to to have to use my song in a mattress commercial or something like that <laughs> right. uh, but what i what i do you know the, the thing that kind of has allowed me to keep going over the years is 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 to do a lot of other people's projects you know it, it's like this year i'm going to be doing a lot of uh, of touring and working with uh, with devin townsend and the it, the 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 reality of of going out and and doing like someone else's tour, like Devin's tour, that subsidizes my life to the extent that it, it's possible for me to to work that much more on my own stuff when I get time, you know. And yeah. and I and I'm, yeah, I I tend to feel like as long as I continue to be true to myself and my musical impulses or whatever, whenever I I I do an album, that's that's the only way I'm going to like be able to sleep at night as opposed to spending any, any amount of time working on quote original unquote music that, that doesn't really reflect what I think is, is good, you know, quality work. I, yeah. I, I really can't, I, whatever, whatever that, that, you know, bit of uh, uh, human wiring is that, that allows some people to actually like make music, make work that they don't believe in or in order to thrive in some way. I, I just can't, uh, every time I, cause I, I consider it a real privilege to be able to do music at all. Um, so whenever I, I have the time to work on my own projects, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty single minded about making sure that it's authentic to, to me, you know, stuff that I think sounds great stuff that I think is surprising, just stuff that I think is, is excellent in one way or another, even if, uh, even if nobody else agrees. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to piss some people off, but let's take a band like Metallica. Okay. I remember Metallica first starting out and I loved all their stuff. And then they, they, they did, uh, was it injustice for all. And then the next album was the black album. And then the black album, I mean, it had some good songs on there. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, it was just the it, beginning of a new thing. It was, it was yeah. a, a new approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I remember how, how surprising that felt at the time. But you also can't argue with the results, uh, you know, in, in terms of the the impact that it had on people. So at that point, you you just realize that different people are wired differently. Different people are are into different kinds of music. I mean, I remember the first time hearing "Injustice for All" and just thinking, "This is one of the most badass things I've ever heard." It's 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 like so stark and and yeah. so raw in a way. I actually 
you know, nothing against Jason, but I, I actually enjoyed the fact that, that it wasn't a bass heavy record because in, in a way that made it feel nastier. It was just like slashing and abrasive. Uh, and the, and the writing was just incredible on that record. And then, yeah. and then I remember when the, when the black album came out and, and kind of feeling that, that little bit of, Oh, you know, that this is, this is coming from a different direction. This isn't necessarily something that I'm as into as I was that. Uh, but you know, a career is made up of all different kinds of things, all different, you know, an album catalog. You don't want it to sound like the same album over and over again. So if the follow-up to Injustice for All had sounded just like Injustice for All, then, you know, a lot of people might have just said, oh, they're just repeating themselves. Oh, there's there's, 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 you know, there's nothing new going on here. For for what whatever whatever you know, the circumstances were in the world at the time. It it really felt like in retrospect, certainly that was the right time for the black album to come out because it just took over. Uh, so, you know, and also it's hard to, for an act that has been around for a long time to maintain uh, that level of, uh, of inspiration that they had when they were kids, you know, it's, it's just, you know, James now is not the James of, of 40 years ago. And when, when, you know, he first started, you know, putting these ideas together, you, you live, things happen to you. And, and I also think that there's no doubt that a lot of success can do a number on, on your head. You know, it, it's, and it's, it to like wrench a bunch of really inspired, new, unexpected stuff out of your soul, uh, is not easy uh, under under the best of circumstances. Uh, so you know, I I always have a lot of of uh, empathy for you know acts that have been doing it for a long time, and they because every time they put out a new record, you know the the default response of a lot of listeners is going to be it's not as good as you know fill in the blank, yeah. and that's 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 just inevitable. There's no way around it. So, you know, my way around that for, you know, for one thing, I'm still pretty obscure. So it's not like there's millions of people judging me. Uh, the, the, the people who are into the records that I do, I think uh, appreciate the fact that I keep trying to change things up that, that each record seems to have a, you know, a distinct personality of its own. That's, that's not meant to sound anything like a, a previous record. So I've got it really good in that, in that way. I can, really follow my my impulses and and not feel like it's going to hurt me at all you know you played with zappa and mind you nobody had that guy's brain i don't think there'll ever be another zappa i certainly have never encountered another brain like it yeah but then no how was it like trying to keep up with that guy i mean it it had to be uh uh a pleasant chaos, but chaos. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a fool's mission. You know, it, certainly, it just just in terms of of, of brain waves, there was there was no keeping up with them. You know, it, it, you just had to like uh, uh, be there and uh, and absorb it. Um, I, I, you know, just just being in a room with him was was a, a pretty uh, 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 notable experience, especially for me at the time because I was it was my first professional gig. And all I d- dreamed about uh, for the previous fifteen years, practically, was was playing with Frank Zappa, and that, and all of a sudden, that's the beginning of my career. It's it's like I I was so flabbergasted by the fact that it was happening at all that that it it it, uh, it you know I I was wouldn't say I was like unsteady or anything, but I was definitely like reeling from the impact of the whole thing. Um, 
but you know, I was so young and he was so, uh, he had achieved so much and he was, you know, he was who he was. So I, it was, it was kind of like he was a mentor in that way, or I was just you know, trying to, to soak up as, as much as I could, uh, life lessons and musical, uh, wisdom and, and just what it meant to be in a band like that traveling around the world. That was my first tour. It was my first, you know, anything in the, in the professional music business. And it was with the guy that, you know, I idolized more than any other musician. So it was mind bending in every way. Uh, you know, in terms of trying to keep up all my only real uh, agenda was to play the songs as well as I possibly could, because I knew that's what made him happy was a, was a, a band that executed the songs properly. So that's, I just didn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I didn't want to bum Frank out. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was heavily invested in, uh, in n- n- him not being upset with me for any reason. So, uh, yeah, it was, I was, I was very young. I was very naive. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have thought on occasion, wow, to be able to go back and, and play with Frank again, uh, knowing what I know now, but he's, he, you know, he captured a lot of, of players at the beginnings of their journey. Like Steve Vai, obviously he, he had yeah. Steve doing stuff for him when he was like 17, transcribing guitar solos and whatnot. And then it was only, I think Steve was 19 when he started playing in the band. It's very young. So, uh, so yeah. I, I, I think a lot of musicians, uh, because they were young when they started playing with Frank were, were still kind of in the process of forming. And, uh, and the, that experience of playing with Frank was, is a very, it's, it's a, it's a catalyst for, for so many things that, that, uh, you know, I'm still feeling the repercussions sitting here right now, you know, did Stevie ever get that spanking? <laughs> well, I'm sure he did. <laughs> it's not like they were hiding anything in that song. <laughs> I don't know if it was a question of need, you know. I, I'm, I'm sure he could have done fine, you know, regardless of whether he or whether or not he was spanked that day. But I don't think it did him any harm. Uh, was it intimidating being around him? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Being around Frank? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a good word to use. You know, the, the, there's... It's it's really hard to avoid when when somebody means that much to you and 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 also simultaneously to the world. Um, uh, it's there's always this feeling like you don't want to let them down, uh, and there's probably also psychologically something going on where you feel like you, you want to impress them in some way if you can make them laugh, for instance. Uh, so yeah, I, I I I do remember feeling like you know I needed to somehow prove myself uh to frank even though i was already in the band you know the job of of proving had already been done so at at that point i should have been capable of just relaxing but i was i was very young 
Yeah. Well, all I've been able to do is read about him. I never got to meet him. I don't know the guy. And from what I've read, he was pretty tough and he had no problem kicking people out of the band and hiring somebody else, especially if he was looking for a certain sound. Well, he had a very a pragmatic attitude about the whole thing, which makes sense uh, that he was pay- he was giving people paychecks to play his music right. And if uh, and if somebody wasn't playing the, their music right, that the that you know playing their parts correctly, then uh, that that was no longer an investment that made sense to him. And and uh, you know he decided to, uh, and then he would just change the status quo at that point. And I I think that that's uh, you know I can't I I can't begrudge anybody that he never he never uh, he never uh, tried to front like his band was uh was summer camp or that he was uh anybody's dad other than his actual children you know it, he was he was an employer and uh and he considered his employer to be the audience you know it's like he wasn't just like being arbitrarily uh uh brutal to to his uh his band because he felt like it he he really wanted the music to be uh executed as spectacularly as it possibly could because that's what his audience expected you know we we sat in his basement uh pretty soon after i got the gig and uh and he was explaining to me you know he said to me when people come to these shows they just they they want to have their minds blown completely and i was like yes i believe me i understand that because i was exactly that guy i was the guy buying tickets to your show waiting to be blown away um so you know he was explaining to me that he the reason why we were working eight hours a day five days a week for four months before we went on the road is because he wanted the band drilled to such an extent that audience members couldn't help but be you know just blown away by it he really wanted to do that he it was he considered it his job to to uh to blow people's minds and 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 uh, I appreciated that very much. And I was like very excited about being a cog in that machinery. I wanted to, to help blow people's minds. I thought that was, and still think that that's uh, a very worthwhile pursuit. <laughs> right. Did you feel the need to emulate that in your own career and doing your own thing? Well, I mean, uh, my own musical tastes were so, uh, are so shaped by the music that I was listening to growing up, which was Frank and a whole bunch of uh of progressive rock and experimental rock and uh jazz and and uh you know contemporary composition and then you know amazing pop songs like the beatles and the beach boys and all that that stuff that i also grew up loving so i i i really want uh, my uh, andy partridge uh, from xtc who's somebody that i've written songs with and, and we we've, we've done some stuff together he he described it perfectly once which was that he wanted to make music so good it hurts <laughs> and uh and i i used to feel that listening to xtc in the 80s you know i would listen to their songs and there would just be so much nutrition in there so much good stuff and you know more good stuff around every corner where you listen to it and just go man i just can't believe how good this is and i'm so happy it exists that I, that that is something that i you know I've tried to to do in my own career and w- i think the things that i got from frank are are uh you know just like a, a specific way of of leading a band 
yeah. we we used to do these long long rehearsals and and we knew things were going well if we were laughing you know he even though the music was very hard and there was a lot of hard work to do uh you know frank's primary objective was to have a good time <laughs> so if, if 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 he was enjoying the process to the extent that he was like laughing freely and it was it was clear that he wasn't stressed out then that was when the band was was really firing on all cylinders and and i think i've uh you know, I've tried to instill that with with every band that I've had because my own group, uh, Beer for Dolphins, has gone through so many lineup changes and stuff. And the music I write isn't easy to play, so it, it definitely requires some drilling. But I personally find making music to be such a joyful experience, and I and I try to try to uh, you know convey that during uh, during rehearsals. You know, I don't think rehearsal should be you know a, a painful you know uh, uh tribulation i think it's it, when you're rehearsing the music that's going to be showing up on a stage later for for other people to watch you know right from the beginning of the process you should be you know in a place where it's happy and and joyful and funny and uh and relaxed even as uh, as crazy as the music might get at times uh there should be this core of uh, of calmness at the center of it you know, of being in control rather than to some degree, you are controlled by music, you know, because I, I do think that music is, is some kind of force that's just flowing. And, and when we're lucky, we tap into it correctly. Um, but it, it shouldn't be a thing that uh, overwhelms you to the point that you can't, uh, you know, keep your action together. You know, you, I, I like on stage, which is funny because I watch film of myself playing and I look like I'm, I'm just like losing my mind. Uh, uh, but, but inside, I promise I'm actually pretty, I'm feeling pretty calm about it all. <laughs> I didn't used to, I used to get overwhelmed back in the nineties. Uh, when I would play live, I would get so emotional that it would, it would, it would start to uh, affect the performance negatively. I thought, you know, but nowadays I'm like, when I play live, I'm really keeping, you know, my senses, focused on how is this coming across how are people receiving it what does this sound like so i try to i try to listen to all the stuff as i'm playing it as though i'm distant from it you know i'm like the performer and the and the producer and the audience at the same time which i think frank also did that you know i, I think frank was very aware at every moment how the totality of this this uh incredible music that he was presenting how it all came across and that's why, you know, we were a 12 piece band. If one guy in the band did one thing a little bit wrong, I guarantee Frank heard it and sometimes would, would call the guy out during the show <laughs> to, uh, to repeat the passage and play it correctly. He, he def Frank was not uh, above that from time to time. Well, I know a lot of people out there are not doing what they want to do in life. And I mean, you're getting to do that. Uh, what what advice do you give someone and it doesn't necessarily have to be music but you know to get out there and chase your dreams well i mean it's it, it's it's a real challenge to do that and you you have to be pretty uh clever about piecing together because you got to survive right you have to piece together in, income streams one way or another you have to you know figure out a, a way to to subsidize your own lifestyle and uh you know, just make sure you you make it to the next month with the with the, with something in the refrigerator, et cetera, et cetera. You just you got to survive. So, you know, I 
the the thing about dream chasing is that it's 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 real hard to do when you're super hungry <laughs> so it, it, it's if frank used to say you know like when people at a certain point uh he said his standard answer to the question uh Frank, I'm a musician. Uh, I'd, I'd really like to, uh, you know, make my own music and and uh, and you know, just like follow my my dreams and my impulses. What should I do? And his answer to that was get a real estate license. And what he what he meant by that was find some way to subsidize your life so that when you have time to devote to your dreams, you can do it without you know feeling overly concerned. Uh, you know, because if you if there's a a, a feeling of desperation. Like I have to finish this album and it's got to be perfect and it's got to sell a million copies, which nobody does anymore. And it's got to rule the world. Um, you're un- unlikely to turn out a piece of work that is is going to do that, you know, be- because it's it's got this this core of stress and desperation. But if if you have a a, a structure in your life that allows you to survive comfortably, then you can you can just uh, be free to to dream and to fantasize and to and to follow your your instincts and your impulses and and make music or create whatever it is that you want to create that that you know really expresses yourself um and then you know at, at a certain point if there's there are just like things of of good luck and good fortune that come into play and none of that stuff can be predicted and and, and none of it can be counted on but uh you just you you can't hide you know if 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 you're doing music and you want to touch people with it you you have to find ways to to actually play that music for people uh whether it it be you know finding even the 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 most uh potentially unpromising of a gig might have somebody in the audience who who could unexpectedly uh change your fortunes you know it's 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 like it's always it's always a good thing to play for people yeah. and 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 it is very true that no matter how uh, few people are in an audience you have to perform for those people as though you're at the forum you know you or it, you know let's more accurately just uh because not everybody wants to be at the forum but but <laughs> you can't ever downgrade your your performance or your creative instincts uh, because you are sad about what's uh, the fact that not many people showed up for the gig, you have to you have to give those people uh, all of yourself. If you're up on stage, you you don't want to be wasting anybody's time. Yeah, yeah, true. And those times that you need to ground yourself or center yourself, or even unwind, what do you do? Unwind? Oh. Um... Well, when I'm when I'm here at home, I'm I'm you know spending a lot of time with with you know my wife just watching reruns of uh, of Angel, you know, just it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, and my brother's here too, and we 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 both uh, you know all three of us enjoy one another's company, so there's just the is the comfort of family, you know, uh, that in itself is unwinding uh, to to just be relaxed at home with people you love. Um, and uh you know i i, I like I, I i live uh far away from from los angeles now if i if i want to go to los angeles it's uh it's or if i have to go to los angeles it's uh it's a uh it's a long drive uh 
but I like long drives and I love listening to music in the car. That's like uh, one of my favorite ways to unwind is, is uh, because it's, it's time it, you, you can choose not to answer your phone. If if you're in the car on a long drive, it's a time where nobody can get at you. <laughs> and you have the, uh, you have the option of just being in your bubble there. And that's when I find listening to music to be the most, uh, the most relaxing and the most, uh, you know, I, I just get a lot out of it. Uh, because if I, if I'm home, I'm usually not listening to music. I'm working on projects. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I always, find that there's some new thing that is taking up a lot of my time to the, to the extent that just the the luxury of sitting at home listening to music is that doesn't happen that often sometimes i'll put on a record while there's something else going on if we're making food or something like that or exercising or whatever and it's, that's that's when most of the, the music listening happens but just in terms of dedicated listening uh that most of that happens in the car, although I'm also focused on the road and not bumping into anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if you've uh, got the Peacock app or not, but I discovered that and the $6 million man is on there. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Wonderful. It's, it's funny because I was just talking about that the other day, and then my wife works for the state. She was down in, in Austin at, at the office. She calls me, and she says, you'll never guess who's up here. And I'm like, who, who, who? Lee Majors. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, he's here for the governor's inauguration. I'm like, and I can't get downtown. <laughs> Shucks. I used to I used to go uh, back before it was like an insane scene. I used to go to uh, the San Diego Comic Con uh, back in like the seventies when it was just in the basement of a hotel downtown, and uh, yeah, I, 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 that that was where you'd be most likely to bump into somebody from from uh, you know pop culture that had had a, a big impact on your life. <laughs> that was really fun. I, <laughs> those other cons were really fun. I took my daughter to Dallas. They had one of those kind of cons where it's more pop culture instead of just Comic Con. Sure. And anyway, I'm I was looking at a booth and I was fixing to head towards it, and this guy bumps into me. And you know, I'm not going to get upset because I mean, there's a lot of people out there, but I'm like, you know, turn around and see who it was. It was Meatloaf. Huh. I kid you not. I look up and I go, Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> that's great i'm glad it was him just because it's funny to look at somebody unexpectedly just say meatloaf <laughs> you ever been surprised by someone like that um i'm sure i have but it's 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 for for whatever reason uh i'm my brain has a hard time uh re retaining a lot of details about about uh events like that but I know that 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 you know if I'm Satriani, for instance, is is uh, is friends with with a lot of people, you know, a lot of players. So it, there was always the possibility that you might go into uh, go into the dressing room and 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 oh, okay, I didn't know Chad Smith was going to be here today. There he is, or or you know, there, oh, there's Corky Lang from Mountain because uh, the uh, the the late 
much missed uh, Mick Brigden, who was uh, Joe's manager, used to work with the band Mountain back in the early 70s. So there's Corky from Mountain all of a sudden at the gig. But I'd say, you know, I remember one time walking into Frank Zappa's basement and Gene Simmons was sitting there. I remember oh, that no being way. pretty surprising. Um, so, yeah, there are there are times that's that's one of the interesting byproducts of working with people who know a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just might you just don't know who might pop up, which is cool. I'm, I, I'm expecting to see some uh, some interesting uh, people backstage on this uh, upcoming Devon tour. It's uh, I'm, I haven't I haven't done I haven't been to Europe since late 2019, which was also with Devon. So, uh, and I think I I, I, not, I, I believe uh, Mikhail from uh, Opeth came to one of the the Devon shows uh, in Europe last time. So that would that would be fun if he popped up again. Um, so I'm pretty sure you've done quite a few interviews. Has there ever been anything that you wanted to talk about, but you never got the chance? Um, I don't know. I feel like, like it, it's interesting. I don't have my life isn't that multifaceted. It's like there's other than music. There's there's not that much I'm capable of doing. So I don't, I don't don't see it as there being like a lot of hidden darkened corners of my life. I, you know, like in terms of things that don't get, that I don't talk about very often, I really like to draw, uh, you know, I, I, I just loved, I, there, there's a real, if I had shifted my focus elsewhere, there would have been a real possibility that I would have gone into cartooning because I just, I have a real love of that, of that art form. Um, but I, I, once I started getting involved with uh, with music, and that was taking up so much of my time, I, w- I wasn't disciplined enough to, you know, uh, set aside the, the right amount of time per day to to really get uh, a, my my cartooning uh, act together. So, uh, you know, I, I still maintain kind of a a, a middle school uh, drawing uh, skill, but I, I do get a huge uh, kick out of it, and I've been. Uh, you know, I've been on Patreon for a couple of years, uh, which I is that's something to flash back to a question you asked a little while ago. That's something I recommend to any artist uh, who's looking for an additional uh, means of supporting themselves. If and if they've been doing it for a while and they've they've managed to accumulate a certain amount of, of you know, archival material, anything to do with with the albums that you've made. Uh, you know, alternate mixes, alternate takes, uh, and any paperwork that is uh, connected to those albums, uh, videos, uh, or in my case, you know, just all the decades and decades of these weird drawings that I've done. I'm, you know, fairly constantly posting a stream of this, uh, you know, stuff, which is unreleased in any other format to, uh, to the Patreon followers. And, and it's fantastic because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a platform that is completely different from social media in that you're not fighting for people's attention space. If you're on Facebook or something and you put out a post, you are doing battle in everybody's attention spans with all the other stuff that they're scrolling by on their feed. But everybody that's subscribing to, to my Patreon account is, is only there because they're interested in the stuff that I'm doing. So I have, you know, tubs and tubs and shelves and shelves and drawers filled with things that have been accumulated from, you know, making over 30 albums at this point and doing hundreds of shows. And I, 
a thing that we started in the 90s which is, i'm now you know benefiting from is that we never tried to discourage people from uh recording our shows uh i always felt kind of aligned with the with the jam band scene in that way you know it's it's like it, yes show up with your tape recorders because there's an awareness that every concert you do is is kind of a, a one-time thing if you if you're involved with improvisation on stage by its nature, every single concert you do is going to be totally different from any other concert you do. So I always was appreciative of the fact that 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 people uh, were recording my, my things, and and now I have you know boxes and boxes full of, uh, of of CDs of tapes that people made at my shows 20, 30 years ago. That that's now an archive I can draw from to uh, to post on Patreon, and uh, I've I've really been enjoying going through the archives and f finding things that I forgot that I had recorded from, you know, years and years past. Wow. And, uh, and you can't just like put out box sets all the time. And, and it's like, I've got, there's too much of this stuff around here, but the Patreon account is, is, you know, I started it. It's, it's coming. It's about two and a half years now that I've had it. Uh, and uh, it it kind of is like just this uh, you know box set that that never ends you know it's a never ending content. Uh, so I I I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a website? Yeah, it's just my name Keneally com. Okay, and your album's going to be available on the website, right? Yes, it is. It, it actually already is. If, if okay. you go to, to store.keneally.com, and my name is weird, but it's it's spelled K-E-N-E-A-L-L-Y. So our our online store is store.keneally.com. And uh, and you can pre-order the album now. And uh, even though the, the official release date isn't until February 24th, and by official, that just means that's when it's going to go out to the to the streaming services and and uh, you know other online merchants. At, at this point, it's only available from the the Keneally store. Uh, but uh, we're already shipping CDs, so it, it, it's like if if you go to the even though the, we're still a month away from the official release date, if you go to store.keneally.com and, and order the album, you know quote pre-order the album you'll you'll be getting it pretty quickly and also you if you order the cd you get an instant download of the album so you 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 go you go to the website you order the album and and you know seconds later you're listening to the album it all, it comes with a, a digital version of the the cd booklet and the artwork also so you you get the the whole thing and see i'm very lucky because i've already got it right on <laughs> right on and and uh, you do social media? Yeah, I'm on all the stuff. I I I, I mean, I have an Instagram account, even though I don't uh, I don't interact with it as often because it it uh, it bugs me that it only makes sense uh, from the telephone. Uh, trying to work with Instagram on a laptop is is uh, is pointless, mm -hmm. and and also the fact that you can't uh, embed a, a a web link in an Instagram post uh, is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do stuff on Instagram, but maybe only uh, half as often or one third as often as I'll post stuff to, to Facebook and Twitter, both of which are, you know, highly, uh, 
questionable platforms for any number of reasons <laughs> and and and, and uh, you know it's it's not uh it's not in my nature to promote myself you know if you if you get me on an interview like this i'll start talking like crazy because i i, I tend to talk if if i'm engaged with but but i'm i'm really pretty insular and i, and I kind of keep to myself and and uh, I, I find social media a bit of a struggle but at, at the same time i I enjoy doing it. Most of my posts, I'm I'm kind of subtly poking fun at the fact that I'm doing a post at all, but I try to keep that stuff uh, tamped down because I don't want to get too meta. But uh, it's it's uh, it's you know it's it's just another uh, mode of expression. It's another platform uh, in which to let a little bit of your energy out into the world. You know, so if if I'm doing a post on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm, I come at it from the perspective of this is another just like tiny little building block in the, in this uh, life that I'm creating, you know, and, uh, and, and I, the, 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 uh, the category that I've chosen that I've chosen to express myself in is, is art, you know, it's music. Uh, and it's it, that's a, this is a Zappa thing. The, like the whole career was like one album or one song, and every every album that you put out or everything you do or even every every uh, gesture that you make on a stage is is all part of this uh, of this totality that you're creating, which Frank called the the project slash object. It's, it's a project, meaning that it it's a it's it's a it's a work that's you know constantly in the process of being created mm -hmm. and it's an object in that you're also you know making uh final things albums or you know books or concerts or films uh you're ending up with something that, that's a that's a record of the fact that yes you were there and you did this thing and and you meant to share it with other people in hopes that they would enjoy it as much as you do so uh, that's that's something that I that I really got from Frank in one of the interviews that he did. He said uh, something like, "It's all part of the project. It's all it's it's all part of this you know ongoing conceptual uh, uh, artwork that's being created over the course of decades. You know, every every little noise, every little gesture, even uh, even uh, you know uh, if you raise your eyebrow slightly in a recording studio and there's nobody around to see it." And then, you know, the response to that was, but Frank, you're the only one who would know. And then he goes, now you get it. <laughs> <laughs> My God, to be able to hang out with that guy. <laughs> but, I know. Um, I mean, I'm, I, 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 uh, I consider myself real blessed that I, I was able to spend the time that I did with him and have those experiences. I, the fact that I was so young and that it was my first experience in the music business professionally meant that I wasn't in a place to really appreciate it all at the time while it was happening. And I, I, I do wish that circumstances had been different and, and that he'd, uh, well, obviously that he wouldn't have passed away so young and, and that there, there would have been, you know, he may have, because he had changed his mind several times. He had claimed prior to the tour that I was on that he was never going to tour again after the 1984 tour. He, you know, he, he lost a ton of money and he wasn't interested in doing that anymore. And, and, you know, musicians were more troubled than they were worth and humans make mistakes. And I'd rather work with the computer in the basement and, and all that kind of thing. And, but then all of a sudden there he is in 1988 with a band again, because he still knew, 
you know, he, he always understood that there's something that you get from the, the collective energies of a bunch of people that you, that is by its nature, completely different from the energy that you generate when you're by yourself. There's, you know, there's something that happens when you get involved in a collective and uh, God knows I've relied on that in, in my career with my own bands and my own music. I'm like, I'm very, uh, not just open to, but re reliant upon uh, the people who play in my bands, bringing themselves to the music and not just, you know, uh, doing anything by rote or, you know, playing the music as though it's just a, a, a written piece that needs to be executed in this exact way. You know, I've, I always look at my own songs and uh, as, uh, as blueprints for something uh, that I can't even imagine yet to happen you know and and that usually takes the form of the other people that i play with yeah it's it, the your your music when filtered through the consciousness and the energy of, of somebody else turns into something that much richer that much more layered because it invites their lives and their experience into the thing it's not just you know an echo chamber where it's it's me it's me it's me you know it's it's uh it's us and you're playing it for a, you know you're sharing it you're, yeah. not, you're, not, you're not battering people over the head with it you're, you're you're trying to share something of yourself with with the world when you get up on stage or when you put out an album and uh to me it's 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 the give back that that makes it all worthwhile you know it's it's the oh, yeah. energy in return yeah anything that i can do to give myself to the world it just there's a feeling you just can't ex explain it's a it's a high, you know, it's a, it's a feeling like you're, you have not wasted your time on this planet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to your next project and I, I'm, I'm it's definitely, about 70, it's about 70% done because I was working, working on it at the same time that I was working on this, this new album. Oh, wow. And I, at, at one time I thought I was going to put out, you know, both albums at the same time, but there was that, that the, it's, it's taken me too long to finish the the second one. So once the first one was done, I, I said, let's get this out now. It, it, it deserves a place of its own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I highly recommend this album to, to you folks out there. And I will definitely put the links in the description. So it'll be easy to find. And Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on my show. It's truly been an honor. No, I really appreciate that a, a lot, and I and I am uh, also you know, very grateful that that you asked me to to be here. So thank you. And I also want to thank all of you out there. If you are new to this channel, um, please hit that subscribe button. I'd ask that you please come back and you know share this out, and then to all my regulars, I thank you all because you make it possible for me to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace.